everyone. This is Pete Van Epps. Welcome back to another edition of the Camera Books Podcast, Above and Beyond. So on this podcast, I interviewed Josh Ewing. Josh is a former Army logistics officer who transitioned out of the Army uh, in the latter half of 2013, and he went to work for a company called MCOR in their building services division. And essentially what he does is integrated facilities management. We talk about what that actually means and, and what it looks like. Um, some of the questions and some of the conversation surrounded and are things like, you know, why he chose MCOR um, and essentially what he's up to now, what his first role in at MCOR was. He's transitioned into the, the title of transition team project manager and was in that role for about two years and what that looked like. And since he's moved on to uh, more of an operational role where he's leading a team and interfacing with customers. So we spent a good amount of time just talking through what that actually looks like. And I think he provides some great insight into a unique career field that that um, officer offers challenges to a military officer with operational and project management experience. Um, one of the questions I asked him and we kind of focus on for both roles is how he got up to speed and performing at a high level at a such a short amount of time. And he kind of walks through what he's been focused on, not only when he transitioned, but what he's been focused on lately. And and toward the end of the conversation, I ask him to provide some career advice. And he, he just gives a great tip about how to focus in on your career. So I really enjoyed the conversation with Josh. He's such a good guy. And I think his uh, his experience will be beneficial and he, kind of hearing what he's been up to. If you want to know more about Cameron Brooks, you can find a lot of information about who we are and how we help military officers transition at our website, Cameron-Brooks.com. You can also pick up a ton of information in the latest edition of PCS to Corporate America. You can find that book on Amazon. Okay, without further ado, here's my conversation with Josh. Hey, Josh, welcome to our podcast. Thanks for cutting some, carving some time out of your day to share your experiences with those who listen to the podcast. Hey, absolutely, Pete. Uh, thanks for having me. All right, excellent. Well, I was really excited. Um, for those listening, Josh and I it were catching up a little bit before the call, and, and uh, Josh has been at MCOR for going on five years, and I've been at Cameron Brooks for going on five years, a little over five years, and, and he was one of the first people I ever met uh, working at Cameron Brooks, and so I was really excited to hop on the phone and and visit with you, Josh, and hear a little bit more about what's been going on over the course of the last four and a half, five years. And so, let's start with uh, let's start with just sharing with everyone a little bit about your military background, kind of where you came from before you transitioned to MCOR. So, tell us uh, a little bit about your Army time. Yeah, sure, Pete. So I was a um, officer candidate uh, in the in the Army. So I spent uh, four years on active duty. Um, I was a logistics officer, so uh, spent most of my time at, at Fort Campbell, Kentucky, in an aviation unit. Uh, started off as a, as a maintenance platoon leader. Uh, spent about a year in Afghanistan. Um, you know, upon returning from that, uh, moved into the S4 role back at, at Fort Campbell. So pretty much all of my time there in, um, at Fort Campbell, Kentucky, in logistics, uh, you know, uh, came to the point to where um, I think most of the JMOs feel uh, the crossroads at, you know, being a, a captain, you know, getting that command time, uh, spending some time in, you know, after that or really, you know, 
feeling like you have enough marketability that you can make the transition to the corporate world. So that was my, you know, first, um, you know, desire to to make a transition. I had some conversations with obviously yourself and, and Joel Junker, and you know, you guys felt at the time that I had enough experience to to make the transition. So the wife and I, after after four years and a couple children um, in the army, we 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 took the we took the jump and. Um, yeah. Went to the August uh, 2013, 2013 uh, career conference. You know, had a had a great conference, a lot of uh, a lot of opportunities, and ultimately made a decision to um, pursue a career with MCOR. Now, before we jump into that, you said something that I think would be helpful for others, especially others who listen to this podcast who haven't, who are still in the military and making a decision to get out, and maybe you know looking at a career conference. What do you think? allowed you to be so successful you did have a successful career conference what what uh, what do you think was the kind of the key ingredient or key action that you took perhaps that allowed you to have a successful conference um i feel you know the preparation that you know i did i i luckily i had uh, my commander at the time was uh, actually chris hartman and he went to the conference i think um one or two before me cycles before I did. So, you know, I had the privilege of working alongside him and, and his peers, uh, you know, on the interview preparation, you know, a couple times, you know, the Cameron Brooks team obviously came down to Fort Campbell. I felt that was honestly, Pete, the, the you know, the best, uh, the best thing for me because I felt going into the conference, I felt, you know, you really got to connect and having that natural you know, feel, um, relationship building in an interview setting. You can't, you know, you can you can do everything to, to prepare for, but I mean having the confidence to, to, to sit in the room and, and build that relationship with the with the folks across the table was, was key. And I felt that, you know, my time and, and the DPP program as well as um the interview workshops with Chris and team really went a long way in, in, in having a good conference. Excellent. All right. So let's um appreciate you saying that and I think that's that's real key and we talk a lot about that just just you know the challenge of the career conference in that you know you're interviewing with average 12 companies and it's over a two-day conference is four days but you're only interviewing for two of those four days and really preparation is so crucial to success of the conference so I appreciate you saying that um what um so you were at the conference you made it you we were chatting a little bit about this but you made the decision. You had some opportunity, but ultimately you made the decision to go to MCOR. Why'd you? First of all, who is MCOR? Tell us a little bit about your company, and then why did you choose to go there? Sure. Yeah. So MCOR um, is really a, a fantastic company. I mean, it's a Fortune 500 company. Uh, you know, they they have their their hand in a lot of markets. You know, predominantly the construction side. You know, they have an energy side, and then they have like a building services side. You know, so I, you know, I'm part of, you know, VOC services or, or MCOR facility services. It's part of the building services sector, um, which includes a lot of mechanical companies, um, you know, out there doing HVAC work, plumbing, electrical, et cetera. Uh, so we do facility maintenance. You know, we take care of, of buildings and, and customers that, you know, they want to focus on what they do, whether that's making widgets or, you know, being in the service industry themselves. You know, they have made the decision to outsource maintenance to folks that do this for a living, right? So that's our expertise is, is facility maintenance, and and that's really a full, 
you know, what we call an IFM or, a, or an um, integrated facility management. And, and it's everything from pest control management to snow removal to, like I said, HVAC and, and fixing lights and, and, and the electrical components of the building. So it's very fascinating. You know, it's, um, it's something that as the economy changes, good or bad, you know, buildings are always going to need to be maintained. You know, so we, we get the opportunity to work with a lot of different industries, you know, the banking industry, the manufacturing industry, you know, retail space. So it's a, it's a, it's a really good business model. Um, but really what got me interested in, in, in being a part of this team was really the culture. You know, I remember thinking back to my follow-up interviews and I, again, you know, a lot of um, impressive and well-known companies uh, were represent were, were represented. And I can remember that um, it was a tough decision. And I just, you know, for me, connecting with the senior leadership during my follow-up interview was really critical. And, you know, for, you know, I can remember sitting across with the president and a lot of the senior vice presidents in the room. And, you know, these were, these were folks that you could tell had a very down to earth um, personality, you know, and I felt that for me at the time, that's, that's, that was the type of culture I was looking for. You know, folks that you could tell was part of a team, but, you know, had the humility um, that, you know, they were just like one of the guys. And, you know, no disrespect or I wouldn't say that, you know, the other companies that I interviewed didn't have that same type of feel or culture, but it was something for me that, that went a long way. And I could tell you the other the other big piece of it, um, you know, was the structure. I felt that the career path with MCOR was very similar to that of the military. You know, I felt that I was going to get team leadership opportunities I was going to get um, mentorship opportunities, a lot of growth within a business that, you know, there was operations potential, there was, you know, sales potential if I wanted to go down that road. Any functional area I felt was, was um, you know, right there in front of me. And I felt some of the other, some of the other opportunities they had in front of me may not, has, may not have been as diverse, but, you know, ultimately those were the two big reasons that I ultimately went with MCOR. You know, there's a couple of key points that I wanted to follow up with. First one regarding integrated facilities management. You know, I, I, I just assume that not that many people think about that, but it's such an important point. I mean, if you think about it, you know, those who are listening to this podcast, if you think about just the, the thousands and tens of thousands or maybe hundred thousands of, you know, buildings from small, medium, large-scale buildings that people occupy and do their day-to-day work, but no one's messing around with the management of ensuring that that building uh, continues to thrive and and function properly in order to let the occupants do what they're supposed to do. And so you're right. This is a great model and one that that we have found other JMOs going into as well, and it's such an important part of business that not a lot of people think about. So I'm glad I'm glad we're chatting because it, you're doing something that frankly is important and exciting, but something that maybe a lot of people aren't thinking about. And then I think the other thing I want thing I wanted to mention, and it, and it's so funny that the company's culture and why someone chooses to go to a specific company. You know, I of course we get to ask this question all the time. You know, why'd you choose whatever company you chose? And and it's funny that, that that idea and really that word culture is such a massively recurring theme on this podcast and really on many of the conversations I have with our alumni is that 
you know, when I said why, you know, why MCOR, you didn't say, well, you know, they're, you know, you told me a little bit about Fortune 500 and, you know, what businesses they're, they're in, but you, you know, the number one reason, the thing you led with initially was culture. And I think that's such an important component to doing a career search for a military officer because officers all the time are talking about, like, I want to go into this industry or that industry or, or I like this company or that company. But until you actually sit down, as you said, Josh, with, with the senior leadership of the organization and you're saying things like, you know, they're just one of the, you know, I felt like I was one of the guys and, you know, they're down to earth and really humble. You know, you, you just wouldn't never know that until you actually sit with multiple companies in order to make a decision like that. So I just really appreciate, you know, kind of the depth that you go into in terms of why you made the decision and how you got there. Because, uh, and then of course the structure piece, I mean, that's, that's helpful. And I want to jump into that conversation next because, because the role that you're in, to, you're in right now, account director, is not where you started. So share with us what you did initially, because, because what you did initially isn't necessarily all that related to what you did in the military. I know there's plenty of overlap, but share with us what you were responsible for initially. Maybe share with us some of the overlaps that you did have in the Army, but some of the differences as well. Sure, yeah. So when I started, I, uh, I started as a project manager, so I joined... Um, our transition department, and, and the transition team was really responsible with working alongside business development. So whenever our team would go out there and we would get a new account, um, we needed someone, i.e. a transition project manager, that would transition that account from sales all the way through operations. And you know, some some uh, some accounts would obviously take longer than others, just depending upon the size and geography and, and all those pieces, but. For the most part, it averaged about 90 days, and there was a lot of different, you know, components of that project. But ultimately, you know, the experience gained uh, was was really critical because it it exposed, you know, yourself, you know, the project manager to all parts of the business, right? So you got to see on the front end sales how we go to market. You know, you got to work with uh, the the legal side on the contracts and the MSA part, you know, the master service agreements. You also got exposure to HR because you were responsible for recruiting and ultimately staffing for that account. Um, you got to work with the finance side. So when you got to build budgets and ultimately, you know, the profit and loss, you know, targets for that account year over year, the exposure you gained to that stuff is was really second to none. You know, so for me coming out of the military, you know, the, the piece that I didn't get that we as JMOs don't get is the business side of the military, right? You get a lot of similarities to to the corporate world, such as team leadership, you know, goals, objectives, you know, working with other, you know, functional areas. All those things are very similar to the military, but, you know, outside of budget management, there's not a lot of, uh, you know, profit and loss responsibilities, right? Military is in the business of fighting wars and defending a country. You know, businesses are in the, are in the you know, the, you know, the, the business of, of adding value, right, for, for the firm. So so those were things that was, was, was really key for me as a project manager. So I spent about two years in that role, um, realized fairly quickly that, you know, my career path here w- was hopefully going to be in operations. You know, I felt that that was uh, the most similar to the, to the military. You know, leadership was a big piece, you know, one of the most – you know, enjoyable parts of being in the military was the opportunity to lead. And I've, you know, that that was something that in operations was, was going to be there. You had the team leadership. You also had the customer interface part of it. So, um, 
you know, I networked. I, you know, I spent some time with um, with some key leaders here, and I'll get into that probably later on in this interview. But ultimately, made it known that hey, I, I would love an opportunity to eventually move into operations. And as you know, with good luck and timing, and some things worked out, and I got an opportunity to to take on a, an account. Um, it's actually one of our one of our uh, you know larger accounts here. It's a it's a multi-site account, so it's about 900 locations throughout the throughout the country. So as an account director, you know the roles have um, you know my responsibilities have changed. First and foremost, you know customer re- relationship, right? So I am, as my boss uh, likes to say, the one throat to choke with our customer. So from a governance perspective. Um, you know, I work alongside our customer at the corporate level, uh, things on, you know, measuring and, you know, creating strategic initiatives, uh, key performance metrics, you know, budget management, things like that. I work alongside the customer. Uh, I also get the team leadership side, like I said. So I, I have a team of facility managers that are spaced throughout the country that, you know, each of them has their own portfolio of of um, buildings that they're managing. So I get that part of it too. Um, you know, the other big piece of it is uh, profit and loss. You know, I, I hit on that a little bit ago, and that's the that's the piece that I really enjoy too, because that's the impact that we get to we get to make to the organization. So having responsibilities of managing, you know, my own P and L is uh, is a privilege, and I, and I enjoy that that part of my role as well. So. Uh, been in this seat for a little, little over two years now, and you know I'm still learning. Right, there's there's so much to learn in this industry. You know, in this seat, you know we're continuing to grow as an organization, which is really exciting. You know, just to give you a feel for um, the multi-site business uh, side of, of 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 the organization. You know, we have about 350 uh, mechanics spread across the United States. And then we have our site-based side, right, which these are site-based mechanics that, you know, they walk into the same building every day. Those are our large okay. campus-style campus, campus uh, uh, style customers or manufacturing customers. But the multi-site accounts are smaller space, right? These are the three to 10,000 square foot buildings throughout the, uh, throughout the country. This is the banking, the retail, you know, the child care industry. Um, so about 350 mechanics, but we have you know, sign some uh, new contracts with some customers that are going to double the size of our organization from a mechanic perspective over the next two to three years. So so the growth here is really exciting, Pete. Um, so now I'm, I'm in the operations side of the business and, you know, I'm enjoying every step. So um, let's go back. I want to, I want to explore both of those just for a minute. But so when you, okay, so you started as a project manager. So you're a you're a transitioning army logistician. Like you said, you're a maintenance platoon leader. You're a distribution platoon leader. So lots of team leadership and operations there. And then you were the squadron S4. So you were doing the logistics for a 400-ish person organization. And then you went into a project role, which frankly is not like the army. So, you know, you walk, as you said, and I, I like the way you described it because you, you, you did a nice job. So some, somebody at MCOR went and sold your services to them. That's in the business development. And then after a customer said, yeah, all right, MCOR, we, we want you to manage our facilities, then the sales team kind of drops this, okay, here's a new customer in your lap, Josh. You know, figure out how to get everything squared away. And you said legal, sales, HR, recruiting, staffing, financing, 
P&L targets, et cetera. That was all your baby. And then once it's squared away, then you pass it off to operations where you are now. But as a, as a project manager, like you didn't know anything about facilities maintenance. You didn't know anything about, you know, P&L targets or recruiting or HR. Like how did you get up to speed as fast as you did in order to make an impact as quickly as you did? Yeah, that, you know, it's funny. We've had a couple JMOs that are actually here right now that are in the transition team and currently, you know, going through this, you know, as we speak. And, you know, luckily for me, you know, Pete, I had some, um, I had a really good mentor from day one that was uh, inside of the organization as a senior project manager. They weren't a JMO, but they were, um, they're currently in the service. So, uh, on the non-commissioned officer side, and somebody just really took me under their wing, right? And I, I can, I can really, re- I think a lot of the JMOs can relate, you know, back to their their second lieutenant days, right? I think for for the most part, in my opinion, the successful uh, JMOs or lieutenants day one on the job are the folks that you know listen to the folks that are around them, um, you know, build that trust relationship, you know, be humble. And uh, you know, surround himself with a great team. And luckily, that's what I had, right? I, I'm not going to take the credit. I mean, to your point, there are a lot of things out day one, and even to this day, I, I don't know, right? But as long as you have folks in the organization that are willing, and you know, you're willing to reach out and, and build those relationships, and and ask questions, and even ask for help, right? That that's what that's what it takes, and and that's what I did. Um, and like I said, I've had some folks here that were, were able to show me the way and, you know, you just take it and you put it in your toolkit and, you know, be better today than where you, than, than you were yesterday and, and learn more and soak it up. And, you know, before you know it, you, you know, you feel good about, you know, the impact you're having and, and the confidence you get is day by day. Cause you had the raw talent, right? I mean, you walked in with, with a lot of the raw skills that it, your boss, whoever hired you felt like, man, this guy has, has, you know, what we need. He just doesn't have any of the business experience that we need. And so, you know, obviously, MCOR will take it upon themselves to make sure that you're squared away. But I think what you said is so vitally crucial to the mindset of a transitioning military officer. And that is, you know, go into an organization. And this is hard, maybe not for a four or five-year military officer, but maybe for an eight or nine or a 10-year officer who's had a lot of experience you know, who's been everyone's boss occasionally, whatever it might be, but walking into a new role where you have all this raw talent and, you know, military experience and, you know, find a mentor, you know, be humble, listen, reach out, ask for help. Don't assume you know it all. I mean, that is just a, and I think most, not all, because I have conversations with some military officers who who don't have who struggle perhaps initially when they make the transition. But I just think that that is such a vitally crucial mindset to have where, you know, and, it, and it's a fine line, right, Josh, because you can't walk in like, you know, with this wide-eyed wonderment of like, I don't know anything, you know, I'm, I have no experience, you know, spoon feed me everything. You know, the other, the other side of the coin is you have that raw talent, talent, you have to take initiative, you have to, jump right in there, be eager, be enthusiastic, and go and, you know, get it, I guess just without assuming you know everything, right? I mean, is that exactly. is that how yeah, it played out for you? You're spot on. You're, you're absolutely spot on. I mean, you know, we, we come out of the military with, with a lot of skill set, right? We have the project management, the process improvement, the team leadership. 
real-world experience that is hard to, to really replicate, you know. But, but what we lack, to your point, is industry knowledge, you know, business knowledge, all those things that, you know, you're not going to have day one. Now, you know, these companies, for the most part, understand that. You know, I think they understand mm-hmm. that day one you bring a lot to the table. But for the most part, you know, especially depending upon how complex the industry is and, you know, what your role is really going to be, it's hard to really, you know, make that, you know, ultimate impact day one. And I think that, you know, you're spot on on having that mindset. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, there obviously are different roles and there are different level of officers coming out that are going into, mm-hmm. you know, certain seats to where maybe that's a little different. But I can tell you, coming into MCOR and learning this model and this industry and all those things, I mean, there's only one way to learn that, and that's with time and just getting in there and figuring it out. Now, if you come in there with the mindset that, hey, look, I want leadership day one, I want to run my own account day one, I don't really think, you're A, you're going to be set up for success um, with that mindset, um, not only in the role that you're going to be in, but really just uh, in your long-term, you know, credibility within the organization. I think that it's key to come in and, and build that. Um, you know, folks are going to have expectations of you, and rightfully so, but, you know, credibility is earned, and it's not given. And you got to come in and you got to build those relationships, show that you're, you know, you're willing to roll up your sleeves and learn the business, you know, learn um, and ultimately drive your own career path. But at the same time, you got to, you got to, you got to be humble and, um Mm-hmm. It'll, it'll come. Yeah, um, yeah, that's great. So, so you were in the, as you said, you were in the um, the transition team project management role for about two years. You've been in the account director role for about two years, and so, um, you know, I, and I appreciate. Hey, I'm still learning. I'm still growing. Our organization's growing. Tell me, you know, as a as account director, you know, you're managing multiple accounts. You know, some of these huge accounts, multi-site. You know. I think it's said 900 locations, and you kind of broke it down into three main pieces. You said customer relationships, so, you know, primarily making sure that the customer is satisfied and working on new initiatives and doing all those things, but you're also leading a team of facilities managers. You're also ultimately responsible for the P&L. I love that. Those are kind of big columns of, hey, what this is my job as account director. But can you give us, and I know this will be extremely hard because I, I'm sure no two days are exactly alike, but can you give us a flavor, maybe, of what your kind of day-to-day looks like right now, this minute? Sure. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, a day in the life of operations is, you know, part of the fun. The fun part of the role is, um, it's 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 really unpredictable, and I think that that's something that the military can relate to, right? I think there's a sense of predictability when you're at home, but um, certainly on deployments and whatnot, you know, you take each day mm-hmm. and, and that's really the life of operations, you know, uh, that we have here in facilities maintenance because maintenance isn't really predictable, right? I mean, you're dealing with 900 locations and, you know, 15 different service commodities, you know, I'm, so to give you a flavor of what I'm dealing with right now, Pete, I got schools on the East Coast that are getting hit with, you know, eight to 10 inches of snow. So I got right. customer sites that are, you know, determining whether or not they're going to open or not. And then they got to communicate to their customers, right? Because specifically I'm in the childcare industry. So, you know, these buildings and whether or not they're open and closed and maintained, you know, impacts my customers' revenue and, 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 and their, you know, their day-to-day. Uh, right. You know, there are times I'm dealing with hurricanes down south, right? We deal right. with a lot of uh, severe weather and, and things like that. And, 
you know, ultimately when you're dealing with wide scale facility matters, you know, even at the account director level, you're, you're still brought into it. And there are things that I work alongside the customer, uh, specifically uh, the director of facilities from the customer side, and we work hand in hand. And we really see ourselves as an extension of his team because, mm-hmm. you know, going back to it, you know, I think we all understand what outsourcing is, but outsourcing is uh, if it's going to be successful, you got to be aligned with the customer. So my day-to-day is heavily, you know, predicated on what you mentioned earlier, making sure the customer's happy. You know, you got to build trust with the customer, ensure that, hey, we got it, right? We're going to take care of it. And whether it's a, a snowstorm or a burst pipe, something else, you know, we're going to we're gonna step in and, 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 and be there and deliver for our customer. So, you know, day-to-day, Pete, is... Uh, it, it changes by the day um, with what's right. going on. You know, right now we're we're prepping for um, budgets for for the next fiscal year. So our customers on a different calendar with their fiscal year. So we get to work alongside them and be a part of the budget build from the ground up. And you know, that's really what we've been working on the last last couple of weeks. But like I said, uh, you know, each day you feel like you got some things you you got on your on your uh, on your list to do, and something happens and, and it takes you takes you for a ride, but that's the fun part of the job, right? That's where you get to sit back and apply your critical thinking, you know, your team leadership, you get to empower folks and you work alongside your team and, you know, um, you know, watch them take care of it and, and watch them grow. And that's the, that's the exciting part. So good. All right. Well, let's, um, you mentioned there's a couple more questions I want to ask you. We're kind of bumping up against some uh, the time, but I, I want to, there's just a couple of things I want to get to. Um, one, you mentioned there's a couple of other, JMOs that are, you know, kind of behind you. Maybe there's a couple of JMOs that are further along at MCOR in their career. I mean, I mean, the company was, I think the company is founded by uh, by JMOs, a West Point grad and some others. So I know that there's, you know, a military flavor and maybe even a military culture, but what kind of interaction do you have with former military, either, you know, ahead of you or behind you, so to speak, in terms of their career paths? Yeah, so... Specifically here at, at Viox, I was the first one that came through, but since then we've had okay. a, a couple JMOs, and, and like I said earlier, they're they're currently in our transition team. So, you know, we reach out, we work out of the same headquarters here in Cincinnati, so we have a great relationship. You know, I touch base with those guys. You know, those guys are on the road a little bit, you know, transitioning, so wherever the new business is, it, it takes them with them. Um, but, you know, we, we make it a point to reach out, have monthly one-on-ones to where we, we check in with each other, make sure we're doing okay. And, you know, I try to be a part, right, and help help them, you know, navigate, you know, where they want to go within the organization, you know, when those time when that time comes. I can also tell you that within MCOR, we have a, a few other, you know, areas of the business. You know, we have our customer solution center, which is out in Phoenix. You know, we have our U.S. maintenance right. um, um, subsidiary that, you know, is in uh, Philadelphia. And they're more focused on the supplier management side of uh, facilities. And <clears throat> we've got quite a few JMOs that are spread throughout both of those entities. And, you know, we, we are all kind of interconnected because MCOR has really made a focus on one MCOR, one EFS model. How can we leverage our customer solution center and our call center with, you know, the IFM side of the business and the mechanic side of the business in Cincinnati, along with our supplier management, 
you know, out of Philadelphia. How can we leverage that, bundle that up, and take that to market, right? So just in the nature of that, we, we cross paths. We work hand-in-hand hand. operationally. I, I work pretty much on a monthly level <clears throat> with our uh, our uh, call center, you know, uh, general manager, who's a former JMO who came out, came in the uh, end of the organization about a year before I did. You know, so we, we share stories about, about the conference and and all those things. Sure. So it's a great it's a great uh, culture. Like you said, <clears throat> you know Tony Guzzi, our CEO of MCOR, You know, uh, obviously former military. Um, you know West Point. You know we. You know Dan Rodstrom, our um, commercial site service president, former JMO. So like you said, we got a lot of folks spread throughout the organization, and um, you know we're we're very aware of you know checking in on each other, and making sure we're we you know we have what we need, and you know answer questions when they have them. Great. And I think I think that's encouraging for people to hear because, you know, it's like leaving the military is a really big decision. I mean, some, some, sometimes it's a bigger decision than other times, but regardless, it's always a big decision. And one of the main reasons or one of the main concerns people have is, you know, am I going to find, you know, camaraderie? And it's definitely different in business. There's no question about it. I don't even mean to compare the military to the business world regarding camaraderie, but just the fact that, you know, there there are tons of organizations that have former military and have, you know, a little bit of the mindset, a little bit of the camaraderie, a little bit of the, hey, let's stick together piece. And so I uh, I know that's an encouragement for others to hear. Um, two more questions, just very quickly. Um, you, you also did me a huge favor. I asked you to fill out an alumni kind of newsletter survey that we're going to publish in our next newsletter. But uh, in there, I asked you, hey, what's a, what's a book or a blog or a podcast that, that had a positive impact on you and your performance and your experience, and you wrote The Energy Bus? And I didn't look that up before the call. I wanted you to kind of go in raw because I hadn't heard of the book yet. But uh, what's The Energy Bus? Yeah, it's a, it's a great book. I was actually given this book um, – you know, in a servant leadership uh, seminar uh, or slash program that I'm a part of here at, at MCOR. And it was a book that was given to me. It, it's written, you know, like a fable. So very similar to like the five dysfunctions of a team, which I know is on the Cameron Brooks reading list. So it's an easy read. Right. Uh, and, you know, it's written in a story setting. And it's all about, you know, getting the right people on the bus. And that's such a you know cliche term that you've heard before, but it's so true. And it's you know I think I could relate because when I took the account, Pete, you know I didn't mention this earlier, but part of why I had the opportunity of taking the account was the account was struggling a little bit from a performance side, and you know I had an opportunity to come on and assess the team and you know figure out you know and ask myself, do I have the right people on the bus? And that's what this book is all about. It's for leaders and managers that are you know having teams and you know, struggling with getting people to, you know, buy in or, you know, build consensus or turn the things around. And that's exactly what this book is about. We all know and we all encounter folks in our organizations that, you know, bring a level of energy, some some positive, some negative, right? And it's all about your mindset and framing your energy and using your energy to, to drive positive change. Um, but the first Great. key part for any leader is is ensuring you got the right people on your bus. And if not, you know, you got to make tough decisions and figure out how to move them around on your bus or make tough decisions and get them off. And that's what this Great. book's about, you know. So gotcha. Great book. I recommend it to, to anybody, um, you know, in a team leadership role. And uh, okay. it, it's great. 
I'll uh, I'll look that up myself and uh, and do a little research and uh, and start chatting it up as well. I I uh, always looking to add books to the repertoire and make recommendations, so that's great. And I'll, I'll link that in the show notes to this podcast. I'll also link a link a um, or, or make a link to Amazon if people are interested in looking it up themselves. Okay, last question before we uh, land the plane here. Um, and we'd like to ask this question at the end of every podcast. What's the best advice that you've received lately that has, it a po- has had a positive impact on you professionally? So we, I mentioned earlier about the mentorship. And, you know, not only is my own boss uh, a mentor of mine, but another level up, uh, another mentor. And really took me under, under his wing, really day one, when I came to MCOR. And I, I continue to meet with this individual on a monthly basis. And, you know, one of the things he said to me, you know, I can't remember when, it was probably um, maybe six months into me taking the, the position that I'm in today. He sat down and, and we were having a conversation and, and he was asking me about, you know, my future and kind of where I see myself the next two, three years. And he really put put me, you know, on my heels a little bit. Um, but at the end of the day, what I came out of there with was, you know, no one will drive your, your career path more than you will. You know, so he really put me in a position that said, hey, look, you know, you, you drive your own career path. And, and that's something that, you know, has stuck with me because I've always been a, a person um, that thinks, hey, look, you, you, you do what you need to do, uh, you know, build your credibility and opportunities will, will come. And I think that's true. Right for mm-hmm. for a lot, of but you know at the end of the day you you got to you got to drive your own career path, and I think that was his way of of saying, hey, look, if you want to go to operations or if you want to change and and go you know run HR or, or go change to you know another entity within MCOR, if you have a passion that's that's here, you know you need to let me know, right? You need to come to me. You need to you need to voice that because if, if you do it. Uh, too late or you get burned out in your current role because you're waiting on something to come, that's not the right thing, right? So take charge of your own career, you know, whether whatever that is and whatever that means to you. Um, and, and I've taken that and, you know, I've, I've used that, you know, to reflect on where I see myself um, and just really the candid conversations that I have with my boss around what I want to do and where I see yeah. myself. And I think that's just that's just important feedback for folks that, you know, and a lot, I think a lot of people probably already know that, but it's something that is you know resonated with me, and it's stuff that you know I take and I pass it on to folks that I lead today too. That you know, hey, look, as a leader, I'm always going to be, you know, interested in growing my team and, and and looking for opportunities for them to make an impact in the organization. But it's also on them too, and and more on them than it is on anyone else. And and they need to take that and, and, and harness it and hopefully do something good with it. I got to tell you, that is fantastic advice. As a as a former manager of another Fortune 500 company, I said, you know, as it well, before I became a manager, taking control of my own career. And that's what people would tell me. Hey, no one cares more about your growth and development than you do. And so as a manager, I tried to do the exact same thing, Josh. I said, I want to I want to help you reach your goals, but you have to own your development. You have to own your career. And I, so I, th- I do think that, one, first of all, I don't think everyone knows that, as you said. I think a lot of people don't know that, um, especially coming from the military, because as you and I well know, 
You don't really have to do that in the military for the preponderance of your career. Certainly as a JMO, there's not a lot of career management. You kind of follow a very specific track where if you, you know, if you, as you said, you know, do what you need to do, an opportunity will come. Don't screw up and do a good job and opportunity will come. And that's exactly, you don't ever have to think about managing your career. Really, you don't. I mean, there's, you know, obviously one-offs, but generally speaking as a military officer, especially as a JMO, but in business, I do think, you know, work hard and opportunity will come and do a good job. Opportunity. I do think that's a big deal. I do think building a professional network is a big deal, but ultimately, you know, just assuming that someone is going to care more about your career than you do is a, is a very wrong and incorrect assumption. Now the other side of the coin obviously is people that are a little bit too ambitious and they're in a job and they're like, okay, where am I, when am I going to get promoted? I'm taking, control of my career, well, let me hurry up and get promoted. And there's a, there's a nice little balance there between sticking in a job, getting a lot, you know, getting more experience than maybe you think you actually need and doing a good job, but then also, you know, looking out into the horizon for uh, additional opportunity. What do you think about that? Great summary. That, you, you hit the nail on the head better than I did. That, that, that's, you're exactly right. And, and that was something that, um, you know, I can relate to in, in the military, you know, you know, you're right. It's kind of lockstep. You spend time here, you go here. Even even your promotions, right? A lot of it's time and grade related, and you know, you don't sure. think about it. It's kind of just automatic. And and the civilian side, on the corporate side, that that's not how things go. And you, you really got to take the right. initiative and, and run with it. So great, great summary yeah, that's there. Great. Yeah. Hey, Josh, this has been great, man. Your your experience and what you've been up to. Not only not only just explaining who Incor is and what you do specifically, but just kind of some of the things you're working on, some of the things you've learned and have applied, I know will be very beneficial to those who listen to the podcast. So what a great call. What a great conversation. I, I really appreciate you carving out about 45 minutes for us here today. Hey, not a problem, Pete. I'm glad to be a part of it. You know, I wish, um, you know, all the folks out there listening that are uh, part of the Cameron Brooks, uh, you know, team, I wish you guys the best. You know, uh, it was a decision that, you know, I made long ago when I when I joined the Cameron Brooks team and one of the best decisions I ever made. You know, I, I tell people this, folks that are, you know, looking to join the military, I tell them a couple things. I say, you know, joining the military was uh, one of the best decisions I ever made professionally. But l- deciding to leave the military and join the corporate corporate side, as well as partnering with Cameron Brooks was the second best decision I ever made. But and that's just because it, it wouldn't have happened without the first one. But uh, I wish you know wish mm-hmm. all the, um, the the candidates out there and the folks thinking about you know going through Cameron and and maybe a conference around the corner. I wish you guys uh, nothing but the best. You guys are in good hands with Pete and Joel and and Rob and team and um, you know best of luck to, to each and every one of you. Thank you so much for that endorsement. Such a positive endorsement from uh, just a stellar guy and a stellar Cameron Brooks alumnus. Thank you very much, my friend. Great, great to chat with you. Yes, sir, Pete. Thank you.